1: podcast. I am Jason Lee, along with my co-host
0: Amy Donaldson.
1: And we are having a candidate conversation today with Governor Mitt Romney, Republican candidate for U.S. Senate here in Utah. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jason and Amy. Good to be with you.
0: Thanks for taking some time to do this. We really appreciate it.
1: And so, I again, when we do these, I kind of enjoy them because it kind of gives people um, a chance to get to know the candidates in in ways that you might not otherwise. But, I mean, you've been around uh, and in Politics for quite some time, so people kind of already have an idea, and certainly uh, been with the Olympics. But uh, we wanted to kind of get some idea. Now, what made you want to run uh, for a U.S. Senate here in Utah?
2: Well, I never expected this would happen, to tell you the <laughs> truth. Um, after I lost for president in 2012. Uh, my son Josh said, hey, there's a lot next to us. You want to come move next to us? And so we bought the lot and built a home and moved here and thought this would sort of be our base for the rest of our life and settle down a bit, be with grandkids and uh, Mm -hmm. maybe do a little bit of business on the side with my sons. Mm -hmm. But then Orrin Hatch called and uh, said he was thinking about not running again and what I consider it. And I dismissed it out of hand. But as usually happens in my... Did you really? Yeah. I said, well, no, that doesn't make sense. And Ann said, of course you've got to do that. Hmm. And uh, she was pretty convincing. She said, you know, given the relationships you have in Washington, yeah. the people you've campaigned for, the people you know there, you can do more for Utah than yeah. the average junior senator. And uh, and you've got an obligation to step in. And mm-hmm. uh, as time went on and I started looking at the challenges that we're facing as a country, what's happening around the world, economic challenges long term, our debt in particular, I said, you know, I really do think I need to step up and make a difference for our state and for our country.
0: Tell us a little bit about your family. You mentioned Ann and Josh, but tell us about your family.
2: Uh, I have five sons, okay. uh, five daughters-in-law, 24 grandkids. Okay. I've got two sons that live in Utah. My son, Ben, lives here, and uh, he's a radiologist, and uh, he and his wife have two children, my son Josh lives here also. He is a, um, I guess I'd call him a mortgage banker and a real estate investor. Mm-hmm. He has seven kids. So, okay. um, oh, wow. Yeah, he's really. So
0: you do some babysitting,
2: I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, no, we just nope. say, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> very, very limited amount of babysitting. He has enough no older kids. Else, they right. can take care of themselves. Right. All right. Once your uh, potty trained, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then I've uh, then got two sons that live in California in the San Diego area, uh, Craig and Matt, and they're uh, both married. Uh, uh, Matt has four children. Craig has mm-hmm. five. And then my son, Tag, still lives in Boston, which is where my business career was. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, he's got uh, his his own group of uh, five kids. Yeah. So... I think that adds up to 24. If not, I've missed someone. Is
1: it fair to say, too, that that's where your political career kind of began in uh, Massachusetts?
2: Well, that's uh, certainly the case, although uh, my political career began as I watched my mom and dad run for office. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was born in Michigan. They were both raised here in Utah, Mm -hmm. but they moved to Michigan for career purposes, and – Uh, I went to work for them. I worked on my dad's campaign when I was 15. I worked the switchboard. We don't have switchboards anymore. But these were wires with a console, and I would connect wires to get people to talk to whoever they wanted to speak with. And then in his second campaign, two years later, I drove a minivan across the state and went to Michigan's 83 counties to Mm -hmm. uh, show up at uh, at county fairs and talk about why people should vote for my dad. So (laughs) I sort of saw it then uh, but never imagined that I would ever run for office.
0: Because you went into business after that. I went into business. My career
2: was in business. I got an MBA and a a law degree, and and my whole career was business. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to the place where my first job offer came, Mm -hmm. uh, which was in Boston, and and, uh, we made a a nice life there. But my dad had said, never get into politics unless you're independent financially and Mm -hmm. your kids are raised. And I never imagined I'd be independent financially. His view, his view was, look, if you got to win an election to pay your mortgage, that's not a good thing because might, it might cause you to compromise your principal. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I had five sons. It's like, well, someday they'll be raised. But I don't know that those conditions would ever be met. And who would want me anyway? Yeah. Um,
0: but, you know. Turns out someone did. <laughs> after, you know,
2: after the Olympic experience here. Yeah. Um, the place where I'd had my business career, Massachusetts, uh, the head of the Republican Party said, we need you to come back and run here. Mm-hmm. And even the Boston Globe, the liberal Boston Globe, wrote an, an op-ed. One of the leading columnists there said, uh, you know, you ought to come back and help turn the state around. So mm-hmm. I uh, I did that, and that opened up some uh, some political doors I had to expect it would ever be opened.
0: So when you were here um, during the Olympics and you came into the Olympic scene uh, – let's say, under difficult circumstances. Um, but I, I think that's how most Utahns came to be. They came to know you through that experience. But did that sort of, I mean, your parents were from here, so you must have had some roots here. Um, but did that sort of make Utah, like, I, I have two homes. I'm from Alaska, and I love Utah. But, I mean, I just wonder if if that changed how you felt about Utah. Being here for the well, holidays.
2: this has always been, if you will, the the, the place of my heritage in that my uh, great-great-grandparents uh, settled mm-hmm. here. Um, my great-great-grandfather, Parley P. Pratt, came into the Salt Lake Valley as a scout even before Brigham Young got here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my other great-great-grandfather, uh, Miles Romney, went down to St. George and helped build the tabernacle there. So this is ca- sort of the the family heritage uh, state for me. And, of course, both my parents, having been raised here, meant that we came back to Utah almost every year for either general conference or um, getting together with uh, extended family members. So yeah. this, this had a home feel to me. But then I came here for college
0: mm-hmm. and got
2: my degree at Brigham Young. And then uh, when I got a call from uh, the governor, Governor Mike Levitt, saying, mm-hmm. we'd like you to come out and run the Olympics, um, that was something I couldn't refuse because a lot of what I cared about was wrapped up in how we would be seen by the world.
1: So I, I, I just want this to be said that uh, Mike Levitt made you an offer that you couldn't refuse. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> He's quite a guy, quite a governor. You just know, he remarkable he a remarkable man. Absolutely. He's a very fine man. Listen, uh, we're going to come back and talk about some of the issues that are pertinent, uh, most pertinent to you and what you'd like to see addressed uh, on a national scale. You're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Voices of the Reason podcast. We're having a candidate conversation with Mitt Romney, who's running for U.S. Senate here in Utah, uh, coming up in November. And, uh, Governor, we want to ask you a little bit about what what your issues are, what what, what you feel like is uh, right now is more important, more critical in the country that needs to be addressed, particularly uh, in Washington.
2: Well, I think one of the major uh, concerns I have that is one that has not been addressed really by Washington in some time and, and even right now with Republican administration and, and uh, House and Senate, and that is the extent of the national debt we have. It's roughly $21 trillion, and I know most people don't worry about it because they're not going to be paying that off. I'm not going to pay it off. But we do pay the interest every year because the people that loan us that $21 trillion get an interest payment. And last year it was about $300 billion. And to put that in perspective— That's just interest. Just interest, on the federal debt and 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 you know the the wall uh, against mexico would be i don't know 15 20 billion dollars mm-hmm. this is 300 billion dollars mm-hmm. and it's forecast to go up to 700 billion almost as much as we spend on our military so we have got to find a way to rein in the excessive spending in these continuing resolutions where more and more money is, yeah. is being spent without debate and without amendment. That's got to end. And I will uh, stand with Mike Lee and others to make sure that happens. And then there are concerns I have about rural Utah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we've got 11 counties in the state that are shrinking. And people in those counties have told me, as I speak with them, that their biggest export is their kids.
0: I was just going to say shrinking population. Yeah, yeah. shrinking
2: yeah. population, shrinking yeah. job opportunities. Uh, we've got eleven counties that are really feeling recession, and in some respects, it's the heavy hand of the federal government that's making it so difficult for those counties to to recover and to add jobs. And uh, I'll mention one more, and uh, and that is there are a whole series of federal programs. That really should be eliminated and returned back to the states. So the state should manage education. The state should manage our transportation system. Welfare should be run at the state level. Health care should be guided at the state level. And so I take those federal dollars, return them to Utah where they belong, because Utah knows better how to run Utah than the federal government does.
1: Generally, I would agree with you, but I'm from Illinois. I don't trust them to do as well as and I'm not I'm just for, I mean, it sounds like I'm being, uh, you know, flippant, but I'm not because I know that people, at least the legislature here, does a much better job, I believe, of managing the state's finances than other places. And again, I'm from Chicago. I have watched patronage and many other less. Uh, I don't know. They're crooked in a lot of ways. Waste a lot of uh, taxpayer money. And that, that would that would frighten me.
2: Yeah, you get what you vote for. The good news about about uh, states is mm-hmm. that if you don't like what's happening, the people of the state can do something. But so, for instance, let's say in Vernal uh, that the people here are concerned about a wilderness study area that goes on year after year after year, and they want to do something about it. Gosh, if they have to look to Congress— where where we've got four or 435 congresspeople, mm-hmm. there's no way to get that done. But if they look at the state legislature, they say, you know what, we can get up to Salt Lake, we can meet with our representatives, we can get something to happen in our community. So states are more responsive to the voters. Mm-hmm. And where things are reserved in the Constitution to the federal government, fine. Mm-hmm. But where they are supposed to be reserved to the states, I say get them back to the states. And if we do that, the savings will be dramatic because the federal government is just remarkably inefficient and expensive. But i got to tell you, yeah, Illinois may have a problem. <laughs> and, that, right. and the people yeah. in Illinois are going to have to say, you know what, we're going to take the reins of this thing.
0: So you so you mentioned that, and t- my two top issues are ones that I think the state would do a better job of managing, and that's immigration and health care. Um, and Utah actually passed a guest worker program that they never could get permission to get off the ground, and it would allow people to... Register and pay taxes and have jobs, and then go home. Um, and they never could get permission from the Obama administration to do to 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 run that program. So, it sort of, I think it just sort of died. Um, but I just wonder: is there, a, if on the immigration issue, is there a, some sort of way you see that being a shared responsibility, or is it just the federal government? And if so, what are you going to? What are you going to do about it?
2: (laughs) You and I, Amy, think more alike on this than you might imagine because I've been uh, going across the state uh, speaking with a lot of people in the agriculture community in particular Mm -hmm. that say, look, we need to have temporary workers to come in and Mm -hmm. harvest crops. And, you know, we, we do have agricultural visas that we provide, but these come at the federal level and all the states are scrambling to get what they need. I think when it comes to agricultural visas, mm-hmm. states ought to be able to say how many they need. Mm-hmm. And Utah you can you do a better job deciding what we need. We tell Washington what we need. They give us the visas. We manage those people who come in for the harvest. Yeah. And when it, dealing with something like dairy, that may require year-long type of visas. But again, temporary workers for the agriculture community, visas provided to them should be guided at the state level. Who becomes a citizen, however, that's something yeah. that has to be done at the yeah. federal level. I believe in legal immigration. I think we as a nation have to show that we welcome legal immigrants. It's the lifeblood of our country. Mm-hmm. It's critical to our economic vitality. But uh, illegal immigration, that's something we've got to stop.
1: But in the circumstance that we have now, speaking of uh, immigration, we have tacitly to some degree allowed this problem to grow year after year after year. Yeah. yeah. And now we have millions of people who, who are here uh, illegally. What do we do? Because they are part of our economy. They are part of our society. Yeah. How, how, do we, how do we mitigate that now?
2: Well, the answer is not real difficult to reach. The problem is Washington is so broken mm-hmm. that Republicans can't work with Democrats and Democrats can't work with Republicans. And they just can't seem to find a way to come together. And mm-hmm. one thing I've learned having experienced the, the job of being a governor is that you've got to work with people on both sides of the aisle to get things done. And I know if I become a United States senator, I'll only be one of 100 But I believe I can help get some good Democrats and some good Republicans to sit down and finally reach a conclusion on immigration. It is simply unfair that people who are here illegally and many that are here legally just don't know what their future is. Mm -hmm. They have to hire lawyers to figure out how to go through the American system. It's just crazy to have it so convoluted, so uh, uh, opaque that they don't know what they have to do and what their future will be. We've got to solve this one way or the other and get the job done, protecting legal immigration and stopping illegal immigration.
1: We're going to uh, uh, cut this one short right now, but we're going to come back. We're going to continue with our uh, discussion of issues. You are listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. And welcome back to the Voices of Reason podcast. We're having a candid conversation with Governor Mitt Romney, Republican candidate for U.S. Senate here in Utah. And Governor, uh, we were kind of talking about immigration and Amy wanted to kind of follow up with you a little bit about uh, some concerns she's had uh, among some recent things that have happened
0: here in our yeah, state. Yeah, I, I think a specific issue for me that is the raid that uh, occurred in Moab maybe a month ago, but it seemed to ha- come right at the end of the big tourist season, right before Labor Day. And uh, I was discussing with my husband and he said this kind of a modern-day version of slavery, right? These um, people, they don't have any rights, they, so they can pay them less wages. And in turn, they pay other people less wages because whenever there's a raid, when they put out the job opportunities, they're always for more money. It's it's every single case where there's been a raid up north in Logan, um, when it happens in the Midwest, it's they always have to offer more money to citizens. And my theory is if we could hold businesses accountable in some way... Um, And I know everybody hates E-Verify, but if if there were some way to say, you could help us. I mean, I think Guessworker also solves it, but what, what are your thoughts on something like that?
2: Yeah, you said the magic uh, phrase there, E-Verify. Uh-huh. For those that are not familiar with it, it is a system which is right now more complex than it ought to be, but mm-hmm. an employer, mm-hmm. before they hire someone, should go on a government website, type in their social security number, or if it's a green card number, type in mm-hmm. a green card number. The system should immediately say whether this is a valid number or not, yeah. whether it's being duplicated by others and so forth. If it's valid, You can hire the person. If it's not a valid number and this person is not here legally, either as a visa holder, a green card holder, or as a citizen, then the employer shouldn't hire them. If the employer does hire them, Mm -hmm. and here's the important thing, the employer should get sanctioned. Mm -hmm. because right now, as long as the penalty is on the individual that gets picked up and sent home, the employer says, hey, you know, I'm going to do as much of this as I can get away with. Yeah. The answer is, if you hire someone that's here illegally, the sanctions ought to be the same as you get sanctioned for Mm -hmm. not paying your taxes. And then employers will not hire those that come illegally. And again, the kind of visas we provide – really should be guided at the state level mm-hmm. to meet the needs of, of state uh, agriculture and so forth. And um, I think if we were to do that, you'd find us finally having metered this. But you, the, the whole system we have right now yeah. is terribly broken, largely because Republicans and Democrats won't agree to agree.
0: No, because I, – and, and I guess that leads us to another question. Uh, I, uh, the, the the climate in Washington – and I think it's just gotten worse and worse. You were You were right in the throes of it in 2012, but – this whole, uh, it's more like sports. I come from the sports universe, but um, this it's a winner-take-all. You know, there's no compromise. You can't work with the guy. It
2: used to be that way. No. That's the funny thing. Yeah,
0: and I, I think in the 90s, I saw a lot of cross-partisanship, you know, sp- co-sponsoring between the parties to solve a problem. A lot of negotiating, a lot of compromise. Nobody got everything they wanted. Nothing was ever, But it but it worked. Like, it seemed like the machine was working. And I know we had some professors on who say it's still working, but from a spectators, from my, my perspective, it's not working very well. It doesn't serve, it's not serving us very well. Well, what states,
2: you... are, states are working yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Interestingly, in most states, and there are a few exceptions, but in most states, uh, Republican or Democrat governors get along with Republican or Democrat legislatures. They balance the budget every year. Uh, they meet the, uh, the needs of their citizens mm-hmm. relatively well. If not, they get voted out. Washington, however, has been badly broken. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of reasons for that. But I think what I can do if I become a senator Mm -hmm. is be one is is one of those that will actually spend time with people on the other side of the aisle, actually get to know people, spend time, have people for dinner, get to know them on a personal basis. When I when I served as a governor, my legislature was what? Eighty nine percent Democrat. The Speaker of the House and the Senate president, we met every week for a private Kind of a social hour or two where we talked about the challenges that the state faced. Mm -hmm. That allowed us to do a lot of things. We got a lot done Mm -hmm. in the time I served as a governor. That has to happen in Washington. And part of that has to come from the White House. The 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 president and the, and the administration <laughs> yeah. has to uh, sure there's there's politics there'll always be politics but there have to be connections uh, on both sides of the aisle. President Obama didn't do that as well as I'd like to see, and mm-hmm. I want to see the current administration make every effort to to find um, uh, ways to bridge the gap between Republican and Democrat, and to solve the kind of issues we have on the deficit, on rural issues for our mm-hmm. our, our state and our country. As well as immigration. Those are three very big areas.
1: Can I ask you, uh, you were outspoken uh, prior to the, to the election about uh, the current president, but uh, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on having watched for the almost the last couple of years. Uh, what do you uh, think about the way the uh, uh, President Trump has behaved as the leader of the Republican Party and what direction do you feel like it's going?
2: the the president has with uh, very few exceptions adopted mainstream republican approach to most issues so on a policy front uh, the tax cuts were republican uh, uh, generated over a long period of time the uh, the efforts to focus on Unnecessary regulation is something Republicans have been talking about for a long, long time. Uh, Immigration is also a very big issue among Republican voters and and, uh, elected officials. So on a policy front, he's been pretty mainstream Republican. I'd probably uh, encourage him to tweet less. Or, to, or perhaps not to tweet at all. Uh, yes. And uh, say, uh, let's and, get rid
0: of that social media account. <laughs> if and, he was your child, you would ground him. No. <laughs> so, so I
2: I, I think uh, a big part of being president mm-hmm. is not just focusing on policy, but also focusing on uh, crafting the character of the country. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and Senddown's Twitter isn't an, an effective uh, vehicle for doing that, in part because it's only, well, it used to be 140 characters. It's gone up a bit.
0: Unfortunate, Unfortunate,
2: it's yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah, Unfortunately,
0: they, they added to that. Um, did you do you have thoughts on DACA before we leave immigration?
2: Uh, I think the DACA kids, uh, given the, the uh, reliance they have on the promises made by the prior president, President mm-hmm. Obama, mm-hmm. I think the DACA kids should be allowed to stay in the country mm-hmm. legally. If they want to become citizens, they should get in line with mm-hmm. other people who want to become citizens and work their way to the front of the line. Mm-hmm. No special pathway
0: mm-hmm. for
2: the DACA kids to become citizens, but I'd have them stay in the country legally. And that's something the president uh, proposed earlier this year.
0: Okay, and and one thing, one way. I mean, I grew up a Republican, so um, I I don't see him as a mainstream leader of our party of the party. But um, I think he's like like the deficit. You mentioned the deficit as a priority issue, but the tax cuts actually add to the deficit. So what do you like? How do you mitigate that? How do you how do you deal with the deficit and have the tax cuts? Are there programs or are there? Um, I guess if you're returning some stuff to the states, maybe that's where you find some of the savings?
2: Well, there'll be a lot of savings yes. that, yeah. that 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 uh, we've already spoken about, but others in terms of taking programs back to the state, Medicaid being the biggest one where states, mm-hmm. I think, have managed this far more effectively uh, at, at much lower cost. But also, with regards to the tax cuts, the Republican mainstream thought, and it's Mm -hmm. a thought I concur with, is that our company tax rates have to be competitive with Europe and Asia. Mm -hmm. And we were way above Europe and Asia. We brought the rates down to a global level. The idea is by doing so, we'll keep companies from leaving our country. And they were doing that like crazy. Keep the businesses here. Have businesses start here. Businesses are simply groups of people. Get these groups of people to stay here. Create more jobs. That will put more money in people's pockets. That will generate more tax revenue. But it does take some time. Yeah. So we're going to see how this works, but a lot yeah. of Republicans, like myself, believe you're going to see a stronger economy, yeah. more job growth, and that we're going to be able to whittle away at that deficit. I
0: don't disagree with that, but do the trade wars impact that? Uh, like that's the a, that's of a whole that? other topic. <laughs> yeah. And I'm seeing a yeah. sign here. I got to no. stop. Oh, yeah. That's we'll, a whole we'll we'll other
2: topic.
1: All right. Yeah. We, we will, see, I knew come... I was going to do that. Come on, <laughs> tell us about
0: trade wars in thirty. We seconds. will
1: come back and talk to that. Uh, talk about that uh, in the next segment. You're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. He kind of dropped one on you uh, <laughs> as we finished the last segment. I wanted to ask you about uh, the the tariffs and how um, – do we consider this a, a trade war as, as we have it now, or are things kind of settling down a little bit?
2: Well, I, I think it's um, uh, uncertain as to where it's going to head. But I believe that what the president's trying to do is to get the other parties in the world to come to the table – and uh, finally put together uh, truly fair trade practices, free trade, but fair trade. So for instance, China has taken advantage of a uh, a setting which allows them to uh, be punitive relative to our products and, uh, and to just waltz right into our country. That was probably put in place some time ago to encourage China to come out of communism and socialism, to draw them into the world, But that's been accomplished, and now they're growing like crazy. They're the second largest economy in the world. Uh, It's time for them to play by the same rules everyone else plays by. And Mm so – In some respects, I think he's looking at these tariffs and applying them and threatening to apply them as a way to get people to the table and to get things to happen. That apparently has already happened with Mexico to a degree that's happened with South Korea. Um, I, I like trade. I believe that Utah is better off if we can trade in an open way with other people around the world. We are a net export state. We sell more to the world than we buy from the world, so I want trade to occur. I'm, I do not like tariffs, but I understand the negotiation process, and that's what we're in the middle of right now.
0: Yeah, and I guess we'll see like you said, it's early, we'll see what happens. But uh, you've had health care bill sort of uh, in your named after you. Romney Care is often compared to Obamacare, which I already said I, I like to call the Affordable Care Act. Um, but what are your thoughts on uh, how can? Affordable Care Act be saved? Can it be revamped? Is there hope for health care in this country?
2: Well, my own uh, approach is yeah. is consistent with, if you will, Romney Care, which is yeah. that, that health care should be guided at the state level, mm-hmm. not at the federal level. Yeah. And the place where I – well, there are a number of places where I took exception with President Obama's uh, Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. but the idea that a single health care proposal would uh, bind all the people of the country just didn't make sense to me. If, if you have 25 percent of the people in Texas uninsured, mm-hmm. that's going to require a different piece of legislation than a place uh, uh, that – like Massachusetts was, where 7% of the people were uninsured. Yeah. Uh, in a state where you have a huge elderly population, like Florida, that's going to be different than a state with a much smaller uh, elderly population like Utah. So you have to have a plan that cra- is crafted for the people of the state. Mm-hmm. And so uh, were I to have my hands on Obamacare, I'd say, look, let's just end it the way it is, send this back to the states, make sure states know they have to have policies that cover preexisting conditions, Mm -hmm. And that young people uh, can get covered through their their families. Uh, Those are provisions people want to keep. Mm -hmm. But let's not have the federal government tell people in Utah what type of health care policy we have to have.
0: So sort of work in a cooperative way with the states. Like, what's, yeah, the you federal bring your go- issues to us, yes. we'll bring what we would mandate and, and go uh, the, from there.
2: Yeah, the federal government says, look, these are the guidelines. We want to yeah. see you making progress, getting your citizens insured. We want to make sure that people with pre-existing conditions get mm-hmm. insured and are not, you know, subject uh, to bankruptcy. And maybe some of those states can
0: copy, that don't do well could copy mm-hmm. somebody else's homework. In, in uh, you
2: phone. know, states, <laughs> states are going to find from yeah. trying different ideas yeah. that, that uh, some things work better than others. Vermont mm-hmm would probably go to a single-payer system, mm-hmm. and they'd find that to be extraordinarily expensive. There, mm-hmm. There's a humorist that said, P.J. O'Rourke, that said, if you think health care is expensive now, wait till it's free. Right? <laughs> right. so, yeah. so it's never free. Because yeah. it's never free. Yeah. You're paying. You're yeah. either paying in taxes or in premiums. So states would learn from one another, and I think on that basis, we'd do a better job mm-hmm. with one part of health care that has not been attacked at all and that's bringing down the cost of healthcare, yes. and that just keeps on being a, a huge problem. And I think it's not going to get resolved till we get back to a state guided healthcare approach. Okay, so
1: let's switch a little bit here. Um, you have, did you have a, a mentor uh, when you were, or, or somebody you, a hero that uh, you followed when you were growing up?
2: Yeah, it was my dad. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't know that everybody would feel the same way about their own dad, but my dad was the real deal. Uh, Mm -hmm. Grew up poor, lived in government housing as a child uh, after being expelled from Mexico where his mom and dad were living. Um, He um, uh, did not graduate from college because he couldn't put the time and money together to get a college degree, Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately became head of a car company. Uh, became the governor of a state where he served for three terms, ran for president, yeah. and was a member of a president's cabinet. I mean, this is this guy was the real deal. That's the and, American uh,
0: dream, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and and devoted to things he cared deeply about.
0: Do you have a motto, mantra that you uh, are a favorite?
2: A motto. I don't have yeah. a motto. I, okay. I, I'll adopt the uh, the yeah. American motto, "In God We Trust," and I certainly do. <laughs>
1: there you go. Okay. Uh, okay. So, what's your favorite TV show? Do you watch TV?
2: Uh, I don't watch live TV anymore, unless it's the news or um, you know morning shows, evening shows, mm-hmm. or uh, or sports. Yeah. But we stream. Uh, all right so uh, 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 Modern Family was fun for a while Um, uh, what's it called Uh, let's see A Good Place have you ever seen The Good Place I haven't seen that oh that's very funny I enjoy that um um, Longmire is a. Uh, I enjoyed
1: that show. You long, yeah, I like yeah,
2: Longmire. Yeah. I think we're on the seventh season now. I'm told it's, it's over now. Yeah, they, it's it's been pretty been much over. over yeah. But we're mm-hmm. st- we still got a few more to watch in the right. seventh season. So yeah. so it's streaming. It's it's okay. just so much. So rarely can we sit down to watch a TV show. On and,
0: demand is amazing for busy yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what's something in your life that you've overcome that that's t- been tough? Some adversity or something challenging.
2: Uh, the hardest thing Ann and I faced uh, was mm-hmm. her being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that would change her life and mm-hmm. um, and the way she was able to interact with the family and, and carry out uh, the things she wanted to do. Uh, what's remarkable is that she has overcome that to an extraordinary extent. Mm-hmm. But it was emotionally, uh, for us, mm-hmm. a very difficult time when she was really uh, suffering the effects of the disease. Really from 1998 through 2002, she was uh, uh, physic- quite impaired physically. Mm-hmm. Since then, she's been without physical impairment. So we uh, we knock on wood and uh, and feel very blessed. Is
1: that just the treatment? Uh,
2: you know, she would attribute a number of things. Uh, she'd attribute um, uh, medical treatment, mm-hmm. uh, riding horses and getting exercise, which she thinks helps.
0: Horses cure a lot of things, yeah. I'm just going to uh, say.
2: And then prayer and blessings. Uh, yeah. All those things uh, uh, have combined. And, and to attribute, uh, one, the sole responsibility for her, uh, her health would probably be inaccurate.
0: Uh, do you have a favorite book?
2: Uh, no, I have lots of books that I, I and I get to read okay. a lot. But you know, if if I were to pick a favorite novel, it might be uh, East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Um, uh, before that, I might have said uh, Huckleberry Finn, okay. because uh, uh, Mark Twain took on two of the big issues that America has mm-hmm. faced, yeah. which is uh, race mm-hmm. and and space,
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: and uh, uh, and so that that was a novel of great, great significance. But then I read, what I try and do is, is uh, I try Ultimate. and read every day something that's, that's serious and, uh, and mind expending, mm-hmm. and then something which is entirely mind candy. Yes. All right, so yes. I'm reading a book by C.J. Box right now, uh, you know, just just fun stuff. Uh, I might read some uh, science fiction. Yeah. I've read all of Louis L'Amour. I don't think there's a single Louis L'Amour book I've not read, that's, but you know, so so those are the fun things. Some
0: would argue that's mind candy. I think it's essential. But oh, yeah. okay. I think a yeah, lot of, there's a lot of Western culture that offers uh, <laughs> solutions to life. Give me one thing off your bucket list, or do you have a bucket list?
2: I don't have a bucket list. I'll okay. think about that at some point. Yeah. When I get old, I'll, I'll think about putting together a bucket <laughs> After list. After you retire, finally, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: so uh, we're going to give you uh, some time. Uh, why should people? Why should the people of Utah vote for you for Senate?
2: The people of Utah know who I am. Uh, they, uh, they saw me as I was here for the Olympics. Uh, they saw me as a candidate for president. They know what I believe, and they know that I will fight for principle. They mm-hmm. also know that if they want to get stuff done for Utah, mm-hmm. the best chance to actually help rural Utah, mm-hmm. to help manage our growth, to finally deal with the deficit, is to elect someone who has been able to get things done, both as a governor and as a business person. And by virtue of the relationships I have, I think I can get more done in Washington. And so if they want to get stuff done and they care about the deficit, they care about solving immigration problems, they care about rural Utah and economic development in rural Utah, they care about pollution. They're concerned about the pollution in our, in our community, particularly on the Wasatch Front. If, they, if they're concerned about the, the extraordinary growth we have and how we're going to manage the growth so that we don't add to pollution and add to transportation problems, they need someone in Washington who has some clout and can get some stuff done. And uh, I think I share the values of the people of the state. I've been in 29 counties time and time again, met with families across the state, uh, small business people, big business people, folks that are working uh, uh, at, at, at minimum wage jobs. And, and I believe that the things that I hear from them are things I can help deliver if I become a United States senator.
1: Can't ask for much more than that. Uh, Mitt Romney, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. I really appreciate
2: your time. Thanks, Jason. Amy, good to be with you.
1: Yeah, thanks. Join us again for the next episode of the Voices of Reason podcast. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at VORMED at gmail or VORJasonL at gmail. Or you can find us on Twitter at ADONSports and at Lee one Our show's Twitter handle is at VORPodcast. And you can also check out our Facebook page and subscribe to episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or other places where you might find interesting podcasts. And you can also be sure to uh, give us a review. We'd love to get your feedback and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.